0: Well, good morning. So we were doing, um uh when I was here before, It's Not About You, remember that? Well, guess what? It's still not about you. Because the second week we did was, It's Still Not About You. And I said to Drew, I said, you know, I've got a third part to this message. I haven't written it yet, but I've got a third part, which is, So What Is About You? So guess what? That's what we're getting today. Let's pray. Father, help us to sort this out, Lord, for what you've called us to and who we are and how those are so often at odds with each other. Lord, help me to articulate your heart in a way that we are changed according to your plan for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but you know, God said that let us make human beings, you and I, in our own image, to be like us. Well, I thought about that as I was... I, the video I, that's posted today on my site is about being stuck. Do you ever get stuck in life? I mean, do you ever get stuck in anger or worry or uh, it, whatever it is? One of the things that I struggle with sometimes, and I hate to admit this, but it's just my whole family a little obsessive-compulsive stuff going on. You know, like I, I do like things neat, squared off on my desk, although if you saw my desk now, you'd wonder if a rat was living in it. But, you know, I there's things, and it drives me crazy because I'm thinking, if God has created me to live and to walk and to breathe and everything according to His image, <laughs> I got a long way to go. How about you? I mean, we were. I heard my wife talking about what it's like to go to Walmart in the afternoon. And particularly on some days of the week, you know. It's, it's like, no way, I am not going. There are 30 people in Walmart, it's too many. Why? Because we're impatient. And so when I think about this image bearer, I know in my heart I want to be an image bearer, but I have a lot of things going on in my life that messes that image up. You may not know it. My wife knows most of it, but I don't even tell her everything. Sometimes the thoughts that come into your head, sometimes your mood. You ever get in a mood and you don't even know what you had done to get there and you're there? Why are you looking at your spouse's? (laughs) <laughs> but we do that, don't we? And, but God has created us for a purpose, and part of that purpose is to reflect Him. And when I think about reflecting God, I think of, uh, of the love chapter in 1 Corinthians, that love is patient. That is the image of God. God is what? He's love. So in this whole area of image, I, I it's a work in progress, and some days like you i'm probably better at it than other days but let something interrupt my day interrupt my routine cause me to do something that i don't want to do today yeah you got to be kidding me i um i'm selling our van we have a we have an old conversion van multicolored thing and we're selling it <clears throat> we actually have a deposit on it <clears throat> And the guy's getting it tomorrow. Well I like that van. And as we left the house today, Helen said, I'm gonna miss that van. <clears throat> and I said, I'm thinking I could give the guy the deposit back. <laughs> we could keep the van. I don't know why. It looks good in the driveway, I guess. I don't know. But well you 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 gotta you gotta understand that We are human, aren't we? And we have what I call our idiosyncrasies. And all of us have them. And the problem is not that we have them, it's sometimes we're comfortable in them. And if I'm going to be in the image of God, that means that I need to look at myself in the mirror and say, What is it about my life right now, Lord, that you want me to change and work on? And when I say work on, it doesn't mean it's going to be successful. Because there are things in our lives that we are working on from the day we're born to the time that we die. The other thing that I find in here is that this is what Moses said to the people. You must, or God said to tell Moses to do this, you must be careful to obey all of his commands of the Lord your God following his instructions in every detail. How you doing in that area, by the way? Yeah, I can tell that you, like me, we're Yeah, I know they're out there. I mean, here, remember they're not the ten suggestions, right? They're the ten commandments. And how many times have you heard people redefine what they actually mean? And I'm like, really? Why do I think I can redefine what God has already said? I can't. Now, some of the commandments, I, I think, are pretty easy. Thou shalt not murder. Anybody in here... Been broken out one lately? No. But, whoops, I'm going to lose my earpiece. But, what did Jesus say? If you have anger in your heart towards someone, you have murdered them. Right? If you have bitterness, all of those things, jealousy, all of those things affect the commandments. We said, well, I haven't murdered anyone. No, but you have in your heart. You have in your mind. You've wished them dead. You wish that they would move away, get another job, go find someplace else to live. Do you have a neighbor like that? God says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, some people must not love themselves. Or they think, well, my neighbors are the ones that I like. The ones that I don't like, eh, I I don't have to, I can, as long as I put up a privacy fence, I'm okay. They're okay. That's how I'm showing my love for them. So they don't have to look at my scoundreling, scallowing face every time I look at their house. I, and, and, and the thing is, is that when you, when you look back, when, when Moses was telling us to obey all of the commandments, he said all of them, not the ones that feel good, not the ones that just are sort of like, man, I like this, you know, I like this commandment, thou shalt not steal, I, I am going to go out on a limb and say I don't think there's anyone that has not broken that. You know, why do I say that? Well, you know that pen you took home from work? I, you know that I worked for the phone company for years, and I, I'd i have rows of tape at home that came from the job. I, I, it was crazy. I, I remember once we had a typewriter. Anybody know what those things are? I had a typewriter, and it was an electric typewriter, and it was no longer being used. And I went to my boss, and I said, "Could I get this? Could I, could I get this from the company? Because we're going to throw it out." He goes, "Why did you ask me? Why didn't you just steal it? It would have been easier. Because now you want, now I've got to go through five levels of authorization to give this thing away." I said, "I can't steal it." He said, "I wish you would. I'll go put it in your car for you. You know." But, but it, it's, it's this whole idea of obedience is easy for the things that are easy for us, but it's not easy for the things that we struggle with. My daughter was at our house yesterday. She has started this health plan. I asked her, how much is it costing? It's an elimination diet. It's all kinds of stuff. She has to drink how much water? Two gallons a day or something like that? Two gallons of water a day. I'd be staying in the bathroom the whole day. But the, she says you'll get used to it, I hope right, but guess what she's not giving up cigarettes <laughs> whoever this person is in this that's running this program said now you you need to get off the cigarettes mm, that's not going to happen no i'm I'm keeping those now, I get it. I know why she smokes in it, and you know people that smoke it, the question is is it is it is smoking better than the medication they'd get for anxiety, <laughs> which is worse, and I so I sort of understand that you know I know why my daughter smokes. She stopped smoking, and she went twice. She yeah, my wife just said twice she stopped, and her anxiety level, and she was back on medication. And she goes, I don't want to be on medication. It's I'd better rather smoke. Best option, no. But she's working in the other areas of her life. She's working in who she is as a person. By the way, this daughter, she's 50, okay? So it's not like some little teen, young 20, 30-year-old. No, no, she's an old woman. She's a grandmother, for crying out loud. Makes my wife a great-grandmother. But how are you doing in this area? How are you doing in keeping the commands of the Lord? Now, I don't want to be legalistic about this, but when you think about it, those are general commands, but there's a lot of subcategories in all of that. And the question is, this is about us. His image, our behavior in life, is what God has called us to. And so, as I said, they're not suggestions. They're what? Commandments. So um, I, this, is the, this is the other the cross. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that whoever, everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. <coughs> so what is about us? The cross is about us. Do you realize the cost that God paid for you and I? In fact, the scripture says, and I love the way the King James says it. You, all, you actually heard me say it. Whosoever, whosoever believes. What does that incorporate? Everyone. Have we ever stopped to consider the cost of the cross? I mean, if, if you were having, I mean, everything about the cross, if this was, you're going to be your last meal today, lunchtime was going to be your last meal, how would you want to spend your last moments? Jesus washed the feet of his disciples in his last moments. Would you be doing that? Or would you be going, you know what? I'm going to go to Karn's Equipment and buy a slingshot Polaris. And I'm going to have it insured. So honey, when I go this afternoon, it will be yours. Free. No. See, the cross, God has the cross for us. He calls us to crucify ourselves. To nail our stuff on the cross and die to that. The cross is for us. It's for you and I. It's what gives us life and purpose. It gives us direction. How many want to go to the cross? How many of us want to crucify ourselves? How many of us want to lay those things down? The problem with me is I lay them down. I'm good at laying them down, but I'm also good at picking them back up. And it frustrates me. Because I can, I can go, I can be going along good. And suddenly, I pick up this old habit that I've had before. And maybe it's just that day or just that moment, but I catch myself doing it. And I go, what is wrong with me? And I, then I think about Paul, and Paul goes, what's wrong with me? The very things I desire to do, I don't. And the the things I desire not to do, I do. What is wrong with me? You ever ask that self, yourself that question? I know that the cross is in my life. I know that the cross is for me. I know that the cross has taken me out of the old life and brought me into the new life. I know that the cross has made me more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. I know that the cross has done immensely more than I could ever imagine in my life. But I get in the way. I get in the way. Sometimes my wife too, but... Mainly, it's me, and I think we have to remember that, well, it, that at the cross, God so loved the world that He gave, He gave His only Son, that whosoever would believe would not perish. And yet, we forget that. We forget what He has called us to. I sometimes think that in our culture. Christianity is more of a spectator sport than an active group of people moving in unison to complete the purpose of God. I think we forget that God has a purpose in us and that our story is important, not only to Him, but to the world around us. I think we forget that we have been created to be image bearers of the one that we say we serve. I think we forget that God has called us to live a lifestyle following His Word. And what is His Word? His commands. I think we forget the cost that God paid so that we could be with Him. I don't know about you, but... So I came to Christ not because of heaven, not because of hell. Neither of those two things were of a concern... Partly because I just didn't think about that. Here was my problem. My problem, and I hope this is true for you. My problem wasn't heaven or hell. My problem was now. I could not live the way I knew I needed to live right now. And I didn't know how to do it. And and in that, Jesus said, I, I am the one who lives. Live in me. For I have bought you with a price through the cross And therefore, what I have bought, I have set you free from the things that pull you down. Live your life through me. That made sense. It wasn't that my life was necessarily a mess, but I knew it was a mess compared to what God had called me to. And I think what we need to understand is is that, oh, heaven is wonderful. It's great. But God hasn't called us to live there yet. He's called us to live here now. And how we live here now affects the neighbor, affects the person in the store. We went in, I, I think it was Helen and I, I went to Walmart last week and to get something and it was a zoo. I loved it. I loved I went in, I got what I needed, I got out and I'm sitting in the car and my wife comes out and, and maybe because she's in Walmart a lot more than I am, she's like, oh, I hate that place. And I'm like, why? It was wonderful. There's too many people. But I love people. Okay? Sort of. I love all of you. Trust me. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it, different things affect us differently. There can be other places that I'm with my wife and she's going, oh, this was wonderful. I'm going, get me out of here. We went to Gatlingburg last last year, last year. And in the midst of COVID and Gatlingburg was shoulder to shoulder on the sidewalk, walking down, and I'm like, get me out of here. Now, I like people, but I didn't like those people, okay? <laughs> there was something about <clears throat> trying to go into shops and trying to walk down the street when people are walking through, hold, taking Carrying now or dragging their dogs along, and everyone's got mask on, and I didn't want to be there. My wife, I think, was enjoying it. I think I sat on a bench and let her shop. And when she got done, we moved to another bench. (laughs) But I think we forget all the things that are for us. What is for us? What what is about us? The cross is about us. Do we forget that? Do we somehow? Forget that. How about this one? The Great Commission, our witness. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. Do we forget that God has called us to partner with him to do his work here on this earth? When he left and was raised again and then left after being on earth for a while, he's told his disciples, now go and make disciples. One of the terms that I hate is go and make a church. Go establish a church, and and you may hear that in our group sometimes that we're doing church planting. And and I don't, I I hate that phrase, and I hate it because if you go to plant a church, you'll rarely get disciples. But if you go and make disciples, you will always get a church. Does that make sense? And so what I have to remember though is the go was to who? If you look at who he was talking about, he was talking to all of the believers that were there, men and women. And he's going, go, and as you go, make disciples. Well, how do you make disciples? Oh, here's the catechism. Let me, here, read this with me, and I'll show you how to be a follower of Christ. No, part of it is, and the most important part, is us living it. Living out the image, living out his commands, living out the cross in our lives. As we go through difficulties, sharing how we're doing that. On the back of my van, uh, we took it off because it's going on something else, but I have on the cover on my, my rear, the wheel on the back of the van said, Hope has a name. What is that name? His name is Jesus. And so when I'm going through difficulties, if I'm going through a health issue, I have hope that others may not have. And in, and I want to live in that moment of, Difficulty with joy. Don't you? Because part of what God is saying is listen, this is about me. This is about our relationship. Share with others this relationship you have with me that gives you hope and purpose, even in the midst of a storm. Remember where Jesus was when the disciples were going through the in the boat in the storm? The disciples were panicking, and what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. I don't know if he was snoring, but he was sleeping. Do you sleep well when you are restless and worried and fretting? No, not so much, right? Jesus wasn't concerned about the storm. And part of what I believe God is telling us is when the storms come in your life, don't put your eyes on the storm, put your eyes on the Lord of the storm. I'm the guy who can calm the waters and bring peace to the wind. That can take the storm that's going on in your life and make it meaningful. John Piper wrote a book, Don't Waste Your Cancer. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> Use it for God's glory. One of our pastors was sharing a number of years ago he had cancer. And he was going, every week was going in for treatment. Every week. And he said, I never realized how many people are suffering from cancer and what a ministry God gave me in the waiting room and in the, in the room that where we were getting chemo. He said, I never knew that God would give me a ministry like this, and it was awesome. He said, now I can take the cancer and embrace it because it's given me a doorway into the lives of people that I didn't have before. The other day, he's talking about some eye problems that he's had, and he has to get shots in his eye. Uh. he said, oh no, it's not bad. I'm like, I don't care if it's not bad. I just, I just, it's like watching the dentist take that needle and bring it into your mouth. You know, it's like, I just shut my eyes. I don't want to watch that. But he was sharing about people he's met that have gone through similar situations and, and are suffering from potential blindness. And he goes, I have to thank God for giving me these opportunities. And that's the attitude that we need to have when we are suffering and dealing with stuff. Not that God gives that to us. Not that God gives us sickness. Not that God gives us divorce and death. But God has a plan in it. If all things work together, according to Romans, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And so what I'm saying is, is that the Great Commission is about being a witness in life and in the circumstances and the situations of life. Sometimes I think we forget that. Sometimes I, f- I think we, we think that, that relationship with God is just here Sunday mornings. This is where we should come to the watering trough and get a good dose of drink, a good dose of food that we can take out there. Um, <laughs> but do we live that way? Do we live that way or do we hide our faith under a bushel? Do we hide it from others? I actually worked with someone and um, in, in, it was like 15 years and they were retiring and I found out that they were a Christian. And I had no idea. There was nothing that would indicate that they were a follower of Jesus. The problem is, is that I'm still not sure they were. They did go to church but I don't know if they were really a follower of Jesus. How would you know? By their fruits, right? What is your fruit? What is the fruit that people see in your life? If they only see your disappointment, if they only see your frustration with the job or with bosses, then they're not seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. So, so remember, remember, we're doing, so what is about you? See, God partners with us to accomplish what His plan, His purpose. So, wrapping this up, there's four things that I believe that are about us. The first one Isaiah said is His image, His image that you and I are to reflect His image. We are reflecting an image. The question isn't what. The question isn't whether or not we are. The question is what image are we reflecting? If you're not sure, ask your spouse. We'll talk later. <laughs> but really, if you ask your spouse or a friend or your a child even, see, do you see Christ in me, in my life? And then listen to what they have to say. Because perhaps, perhaps what you think you're doing, you may be missing the mark. I think it's really easy. I, I can be a... A real pain to live with. That's surprising to you, I'm sure. But I, sometimes I am not the nicest guy in the world. Sometimes I am irritating to my wife. And I don't even know it. It comes naturally. And, and we, that's who people are. We, we, by nature, can be irritating to other people. I don't want to be. And I want to know whether or not my behavior is irritating. I have a, a family member that will say things that are just inappropriate. And I I I've I've talked to him before and others have talked to him, and he's just inappropriate. And I'm like what 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 happened to the filter on his mouth? And he doesn't see it. And it affects his image before others obedience how well do you behave how well do you follow after the commands of god not just the ten commandments but i'm talking about everything that god has written through his writers through the new testament particularly the new testament when stuff like don't be anxious for anything but in all things give prayer and supplication how many times have you been anxious this week my wife might think that i don't have much anxiety but i do have anxiety I hide it well, but there are times that I I struggle with anxiety, fear. How about the cross? Do you take up your cross and follow after him daily? Because God has given you a cross to bear. Remember, Paul said, would you take this thing from me? And what did God say? My grace is sufficient. The cross that Paul had to carry, God said, "That's a, my grace is sufficient for you to carry that. God isn't wanting to get rid of every cross in your life. We're called to bear it up. Then how about your witness? How is your life portraying to others? What do others see through you? Do they see Jesus? If they only see that you go to church, then you're missing something. Do you think about that? If all they know about you is that you go to the Alliance Church and it's over here on whatever this road is out here. If that's all they know, then they don't and haven't met Jesus, the one that lives in you. And God has called us to live our lives to create disciples. What are disciples? Christ followers. Christ followers. Sometimes we're more interested in making them members. They could have just as much fun at the Moose Lodge, or the Elk, or whatever. And then finally, here's where I want to leave you. I want to leave you with this. So in case you haven't realized, God has partnered with you for a purpose. And the question is, how are you doing in that area? See, everything that is about you, God has given that to you for a purpose. So it's about Him and you. We need to look. I just got a a new uh, men's devotional by uh, Tony Evans. And I got it because, here's why I got it. I'm in with a group of men and my buddy who's sitting next to me, he's a corporal in the state police, he, he's leading this group. He's gathered these group of guys to, together to be guys after the heart of Christ. And, and, and he shares this devotional out of this book. And, I, and I, I, I'm like, what is that? And I, when he got done, I took it and I took a picture of it. And when I got home, I went on, on uh, Kindle or, or Amazon and I ordered it. Here's why I did the, the the devotion, for every devotion, there are three questions related to the end, to, the, to, that, to that devotion. For an example, the first question, how are you doing in that area on a scale of one to ten? Ten meaning I am up there. Now, I want to know where you are on that scale, and it's challenging because it demonstrates, in my life anyway, that when I admit that I'm a three, I got a lot of work to do. But if I only look at that and say, how are you doing in that area? Yeah, okay. That means nothing. But on a scale of one to ten, how are you doing in that area? Ten meaning I am there. I'm like the Apostle Paul. You see because whatever that number is gives you an indication of how you need to work. And you can do that with all of it. You can go back here and do that with the image on the reflecting of God in your life. How are you doing on a scale of 1 to 10? On obedience, how well are you behaving on a scale of 1 to 10? On the cross, how long how well are you taking up the cross on the scale of 1 to 10? Witness, how is your life portrayed on the scale of 1 to 10? And so what this guy, what this devotional does he's got three different questions and they all are questions relating to what you can do to work on this issue and i like that and that's why i want you to leave here going in your own mind how am i doing on a scale one to ten am i doing that or am i like in the first two parts of this of, of the message about it's not about you is i'm more about me than i am about god i'm more about my comfort my life, my plans, my purpose. I think we have to understand that that God has created us for His purpose and to carry His message. For many, many people, we are the only Christ they will ever meet. And how we live that will affect how they will respond. Let's pray. Father, as we pull this all together, help us to understand that, that You are the one who saves us. You are the one who calls us. You are the one who puts us aside for your purpose on a daily basis that you, that you called us with an everlasting love, one that is heartfelt. And so, Father, I pray that we would seriously look at our own lives and ask that question, that where am I, Lord? Show me on a scale of 1 to 10, where am I? And what do I need to do to change and get to the next level?